Welcome to This Week in Jacksonville, Business Edition. I'm Kent Justice. And in this podcast, we focus on economic development in the River City and our region. We're always looking for topics that fit into that. And so joining us for a conversation today, Cody Spencer of Ability Housing. This is Katessa Archer of Dominion. And Joe Carlucci, City Councilman for District 5 in Jacksonville. Also, really important to note, Chairman of the Special Committee on Homelessness and Affordable Housing. Right. So this is the topic, this affordable housing um, I just, we've talked about it over the years and it gets more and more to the front of, hey, how do we have places where people can live if, if it's not in uh, the high rent district um, and they're not making that kind of money? Well, boy, this is, it seems complimented, uh, complicated, I should say. Cody, I want to start with you. Ability housing, maybe explain what ability housing is and your role and then we'll get into this broader picture. Sure, yeah, Ability Housing is an affordable housing developer that specializes uh, in uh, assisting families in our community that have either previously experienced homelessness, are low income, or extremely low income. Uh, we develop housing, uh, as mentioned. Uh, we've been in business in Northeast Florida for over 30 years. Uh, we've recently expanded to Central and Southwest Florida. Uh, and on any, um, last year alone, uh, we housed around 1,800 Floridians within our portfolio. Okay, and uh, as we talk here, I'll probably dive deeper than that just so that maybe folks who uh, don't have the full picture, like maybe I don't, uh, that will get more information. Tell me, uh, Contessa, about Dominion and how that's a component of trying to solve this problem or get into this space at least. Yes, absolutely. So I think having ability in Dominion here is going to be a really interesting conversation. Um, Dominium is a large affordable housing developer. We really were a for-profit company versus a non-profit company. And what we really focus on is trying to solve the capacity issue of affordable housing. And so we work within what's considered the 4% uh, bond space, which is a non-competitive tax credit to get our projects done. And we really focus on producing units that are around 200, 300 unit projects to really help solve um, how much affordable housing is produced and how quickly it can come online. Um, so Dominium's been in the business for over 50 years. Um, we own just over 5,000 units all throughout Florida. Um, Northeast Florida is, is something that's on our radar and I specialize in, in trying to expand our type of housing um, throughout the northeast side of Florida. And at so. least in my notes, rank number two on affordable housing finance is listed top 50 affordable housing developers just last year in 2022 for Dominion. Uh, Councilman, I want to hear from you. So there's this special committee. Why is this a focus? Why is this something that a councilman and others on city council are saying, hey, we need to put uh, some special attention to? Well, can't. I mean, there's. I have all the studies here with me. I think we're we're all studied out. So the main goal of this is to start action and start implementing the recommendations from these studies. And the number one recommendation that we had for affordable housing was gap funding. So a lot of these projects, these deals, don't make sense because of the the income or the the rental amount on these yeah. on these units is so low. So the developers really have to go after grants other type of funding mechanisms and recommendation after recommendation in all these studies were, were they need more gap funding and that can be as little as a million dollars or it could be as much as five million dollars to make the deal work so i've made a lot of progress on that um and that's one of the one of the goals that we're going to try and accomplish uh in this special committee you know, who on the on the panel here who at the table can share with me some of this <clears throat> what is the need or how do we know that we need more affordable housing. I even heard the, the phrase attainable housing this week, and maybe you can mm -hmm. explain if that's the same or a different thing. 
Well, I, I like to say affordability is a spectrum. And so I think utilizing different terms, you know, the, the government-supported term that's, that's allocated within all the tax rules is affordable. And so anytime we're developing affordable housing, we call it affordable, but attainable housing and the different words that are playing within the affordable housing space really help to eliminate kind of the, the connection of affordable housing and, and separate it from maybe what people consider to be Section 8. Um, and, you know, the Section 8 program, there hasn't been new housing developed under that for quite some time with the, with the exception of uh, specific RAD conversions, which is really getting public housing back up to speed or existing public housing back up to code and back up to speed. Um, and so the creation of the affordable housing designation was really to, to help private, like show that a lot of this work of developing housing has moved over to the private sector. Um, and so I think as we talk about attainable housing, you know, that's just another play on moving up to kind of different types of, of affordable options within the affordable sphere to help limit people's misconceptions of what affordable housing really means. Yeah. Cody, is that true? Are there some misconceptions there about even what ability housing does in this case, right? Of course, yeah. Uh, there's tons of misconceptions uh, and really our focus is being very intentional on the words that we use to describe mm -hmm. the housing that we develop. Um, affordable, it, we all need affordable housing. Uh, everyone here. Uh, affordable, you know, the definition kind of varies from person to person, but it, it's definitely a significant need. Uh, typically when folks hear about affordable housing, um, they do get, you know, uh, perspectives of HUD housing or, you know, some historical housing that, you know, really didn't serve folks uh, in the best way. Um, we're really trying to shift that perspective. We're all affected by the economy. Uh, we're all affected by interest rates, uh, no matter where you are, unless you're independently wealthy. Uh, so affordability is a need for everyone in our community. Yeah. And I would just say to follow up on that, e even it being a misconception versus in the housing space, every, every term has a specific definition. And I learned that very quickly. So affordable housing is a huge, huge just umbrella. And then underneath that you have 30 to 60% AMI, 60 to 120% AMI, workforce housing, market rate housing. You have all these different categories. So it's almost just a plethora of information that normal people just don't follow and don't understand. So the terms can get thrown around uh, hand in hand. But one other thing on how do we know we have this issue is it kind of goes with the homelessness issue too, right? You, you start looking at, wow, the numbers for the homeless population have gone up and same type of thing, right? Homelessness has so many categories underneath it. A person can be homeless and they're just sleeping on their aunt's couch and they just lost their job and they're trying to get back into, you know, a, an affordable place to stay. But sometimes people think of homelessness as, oh, just the person on the street that is digging through trash or whatever. And, and that's one end of the spectrum, but then the other end of the spectrum is also those folks who have a job, they're not unemployed, they just don't have a home because of the cost going up. Yeah. So that's, that's something to really keep in mind. Well, let's talk about those costs going up. Um, matter of fact, the, the beginning of our, our podcast here, just a month ago, we had uh, Northeast Florida Realtors Association here, and we talked about, hey, wh what is happening in the market? But clearly, over the last couple of years, we've seen at pandemic and beyond, we saw where those housing prices went up. Uh, and even if they're coming back down, that seems to be part of the problem that so many people are encountering. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been inflation, uh, you know, the, uh, the interest rates go up. All of these conspire to make the cost of just trying to have a place to lay your head at night go up. And 
Uh, what we, the first reason that ability housing came to mind for me was uh, what Shannon Nasworth was talking about in, in terms of the growth we see in different places. I, I know one of the examples I heard was uh, in St. John's County where there's all this growth and all these high-end houses or higher, more expensive houses, mm -hmm. but there's not housing being developed and built, and this is a couple of years ago, but for the folks who are providing all sorts of great services, hey, even looking at uh, people who work in the schools, are they going to be able to afford that five or $600,000 home rather than something that, again, allows them to be close enough to work, to drive in, and take care, not just take care of our kids, educate our kids, or be the person who's uh, providing so many different services that we really take for granted. Yeah. One thing on that is the, I was talking to an organization, I, I won't mention any names, but they build uh, single family homes for low income individuals. And they said they're building these homes for $250,000. And that's, I mean, my first home was way below, right. you know, 250,000. So it's, if that's kind of the world we're living in right now, that's, that's kind of a scary place to be because building a $600,000 home probably isn't what we used to think of as a $600,000 home, so to speak. Yeah, and you mentioned something earlier that uh, there's, there's a gap there between mm -hmm. what uh, a developer, uh, someone who's providing right. properties uh, can rent for and what they need to, I, I guess, how much of, and I'll, I'll come in this direction, how much is there a connection between what a nonprofit or a for-profit company in this space does and what the government can do, whether that's on a municipal or state or federal level. Yeah, so I think I'll talk about the barriers to us getting a deal done, and it'd be interesting to hear Ability's perspective on this um, in regards to GAP. But really, our largest issue with us not utilizing competitive resources to get our projects done, meaning the state funded or the, the federally funded uh, state allocated tax credits, is zoning. And so we really are working to acquire land, get land at below market value oftentimes, which in places like Jacksonville or St. John's County, that's not realistic. Um, and then once we're able to secure that, you know, our biggest kind of issue is getting zoning done. And then once the zoning's done is when we start to have conversations with elected officials and, and the state, uh, you know, Florida Housing Finance Agency saying, hey, these gaps exist because there hasn't been relief at the federal level for affordable housing developers um, in today's environment. And so I would say, you know, on average with projects in Jacksonville and, and in Northeast or in Northeast Florida generally, our gaps are really in probably the five to six million dollar range on the four percent side. And that's considering that, you know, Dominium specializes in housing workforce housing and so that our designation of that is really 60% of AMI so we are even able to charge higher rents than right. you know potentially the ability housings or the nonprofits of the world do um, because our resident base are our essential workers they're people who are have to earn an income in order to qualify but just can't pay kind of that market rate pricing right Cody Spencer what do you think yeah, as a nonprofit, obviously, uh, we uh, apply for some of the most competitive funding uh, in the state. Um, it's it's very difficult to get. Uh, it often ends up with being a lottery pool, uh, just because the demand is so great. Uh, but I think it's important to note that um, all the Sadowski sweeps that have taken place um, over the decades, um, for if you're not, not familiar, uh, the Sadowski Fund is a trust fund that was established to create and preserve um, affordable housing. Uh, unfortunately, over decades, that's been slushed, um, and um, all sorts of um, barriers have been are 
been put right, in place, too. Right, hold on. You, that's been slushed. Now, what do you mean by that phrase? I think I understand, but explain to me what you mean It just became that. a slush fund, so they just reallocate those dollars as whatever the... Not exactly what it was intended, intended for. Intended for. Beginning. Yes. Correct. Um, and that is a huge, you know, help to us nonprofit developers uh, is having this, you know, essential funding kind of in place that is um, fed through the state. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because I think we're in an environment right now with inflation, you know, I guess today it has not risen is what the reports came back to say, but um, in an inflationary environment and construction costs going up and interest rates going up, the nonprofit space of affordable housing and the for-profit space are now competing for some of the same resources too. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the things that um, you know would be interesting to talk about is, is kind of some of the, the local government metrics that you know can be passed to help alleviate those gaps that aren't necessarily competitive between our two groups um, just because what what ability housing does and what dominium does is incredibly important and this affordability spectrum is incredibly important and figuring out ways to continue to serve all the various uh, components of that is really going to be the key to to affordable housing production um, in these kinds of really difficult environments so councilman joe carlucci let's bring it back to you so you're chairing this this special committee uh, where are you at in the process and what are what are some of the outcomes that you're really hoping for here as you work through that process? So we our first official meeting is next Monday 12 o'clock So <laughs> we are not in the process yet, but we have done a ton of work just getting to it and, and we've already had a lot of noticed meetings so we've had a lot of probably about three or four conversational meetings and then council president said okay Why don't we go ahead and you know formalize a group and y'all can come up with implementation legislation on funding mechanisms, how the homeless trust fund is going to operate, who's going to oversee it, what those dollars are going to be used for, how that is going to be funded. So we're ultimately going to try and organize kind of all of those thoughts and then, you know, see how that plays out. I've told everyone in the group and the committee, look, we are doing no more studies. We are done with doing studies. The only thing we're going to study is three years from now how these how this money has worked and has changed people's lives in Jacksonville, um, and even with the we've talked about for the zoning component, um, giving preference you know preferential uh, placement for affordable housing. So I think it, it goes a lot of it with incentives, right? Mm -hmm. It's okay. What do what do we need and what do we want? We want more affordable housing. Okay. Give, give them priority, give them incentives, because that's what we want to see. And the same with the dollars. It's, it's more, what, what affordable housing structure do we want? Do we want more workforce, or do we want more of that 30 to 60% AMI, that lower, lower income? And then once we have the studies that have already been done, that's where we kind of focus our attention. And then, you know, it doesn't create this competitiveness where she's doing workforce, he's doing this, but what do we really want? You know, what do we need? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that's, that's, my, that's my vision for it. And I appreciate you bringing that back up. When you mentioned zoning, you know, location seems like that might be a barrier or at least a challenge to overcome in, in any sort of development. Uh, is that something that you guys have to work through with Ability Housing as well? Hey, we want to put it here and somebody's saying, not in my backyard. Yeah, uh, NIMBYism is in full effect. Um, <laughs> and that really speaks to the earlier point, uh, point about addressing the misconceptions of what yeah. affordable housing is. Um, <clears throat> you know, there are long-held beliefs that, that individuals have. Uh, but really, you know, we've been able to demonstrate time over time that any development that we're a part of are able to actually uh, increase property values of the surrounding community. Um, so really, 
to challenge folks about their misconceptions and to be a part of the solution and welcome us to their community would, would be insurmountable. Well, I, I feel like I should have you say that again. What happens to the property value? Say that, make that statement again and dispel one of those misconceptions. Yeah, numerous studies have shown that quality housing that is well-maintained increases property values and decreases crimes for communities. But that's not what you hear on the front end. Hey, if, if we do something with affordable housing that hurts my value mm -hmm. or that hurts the community somehow, which is it's just emotion talking there, right? It is. I think sometimes we can be disillusioned to thinking that we're immune from any sort of housing instability within our lifetime. And the, you know, the truth is, any of us could be affected at any any moment. A, a, a health condition, a divorce, some other sort of financial setback, and we're all kind of in the same in the same spot. Yeah. What's the mood? I want to take the temperature of each of you here. What's the mood in terms of? Hey, are we able to? Um, not just topple misconceptions, but we able to succeed here in what we're trying to do in this effort to create housing where people get out of some hard spots and where we make it uh, something where everybody's got a, that shot at the American dream and all, all of that. Tessa, I'll start with you. You know, I'm always, uh, I would say, a proponent that we are solving the problem, but I, I get very humbled very quickly by the amount, how much the mm -hmm. amount of need is versus how much we're actually able to do. Wow. So I think of somewhere, I'm working in St. John's County specifically right now, and, you know, that specific county is probably over 17,000 unit need for affordable housing and I'm only trying to do a 288 unit project. And so in the grand scheme of things, wow. it's a drop in the bucket and it's incredibly hard to even get that project done. You know, nevertheless, it's gonna probably take two to three years to even start construction. Mm. And so I think, yes, these conversations are so important and, and creating awareness surrounding this issue is so important, but we really need to hone in on how do you produce more units more quickly? Mm -hmm. um, because that, those figures, and, and I think it's even over 25,000 if you include, you know, City of Jacksonville and Duval County, those figures are just going to continue to get worse mm -hmm. as housing becomes more and more unattainable. Mm -hmm. And we are not creating enough supply under this affordable housing spectrum that's necessary to even you know, really make a difference here. And so these conversations are incredibly productive. I'm really excited about kind of what Dominium has going on and, and what I see state and local lawmakers doing to try to promote this type of housing. But there is just, we're so far behind mm. and we need to do things to try to expedite as quickly as possible. Cody Spencer, uh, how are we doing? Are we making a dent in the problem? How do you feel about the future in this regard? Um, I'm an optimist, uh, so I feel very optimistic. Um, pretty helpful, developer. right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, but to your point, you know, um, we have five uh, projects kind of in our pipeline, uh, but these projects are several years out, so we're often running five, 10, or 15 years behind what the current trend is. Uh, so the need can be overwhelming, so there needs to be a better and more efficient way to develop units in mass to meet the need current. Yeah. Councilman, how are we doing? I'm with Cody. I'm optimistic. You know, <laughs> I think I think momentum creates momentum, right? And you, you just looking at the big number can can be, um, you know, I don't know. It can it can make you think, wow, we're not really doing anything. But 200 plus units—that's a lot of units. Mm -hmm. um, that is making a dent, and you just have to constantly. I mean, and you are doing 90 units on one of your projects, and then what's the other one? The village for or the Forest Lake. Which oh, uh, Lake Forest. Lake Forest. Um, I think, I'm not sure of the number, uh, but it's over 100 units. So it's over 100. So like right here, we have over 500 units like likely to come online. So 
that's a big step and this is just two people sitting at the table so i'm i'm optimistic about it and again you just you just have to keep pushing forward and and the diversion piece is keeping it's kind of stopping the bleeding right so that number doesn't continue to grow which the diversion is making sure people who have never been homeless don't become homeless mm -hmm. so it's keeping them off the streets and into housing and um so then hopefully we can kind of keep the number where it's at start building housing affordable housing and that should bring the number down i mean that's it's a it's a multi-prong approach so yeah i think that diversion point is incredibly important and something kind of important to clarify for the listeners here is once someone qualifies to live at our projects if they end up making above those income thresholds as they live there we do not displace them. And so this wow. really is a long-term commitment to uh, rental housing that mm -hmm. hopefully will position them for other areas um, or other, you know, moving, say, for a down payment on a home or moving to a market rate apartment, mm -hmm. just whatever that natural transition is. Like, the point of the program is to really stabilize those housing costs so that we don't have people dipping into homelessness or, or you know, not adding to the quality of yeah. their living as they continue right. to live at our properties. And uh, before we go, I'll just point out just recently, beginning, <coughs> excuse me, beginning of November, Ability Housing talking about uh, they've got a three-year master plan. Did I read this right, Cody? Producing 3,000 to 5,000 units? Not only am I optimistic, uh, the leadership <laughs> at my agency is also very optimistic. Yeah. Um, that's However, awesome. we have done the projections. Uh, we know what's in our current pipeline. We kind of have a feeling for what the funding is going to like in the future. So we are positioning ourselves. It's reflected in our strategic plan uh, to really be able to execute and provide those units of housing. Uh, first, we're looking internally to staff up, obviously. Yeah. Uh, that kind of We're a small shop currently, so we're looking to, to kind of expand. Uh, so we've been intentional on that. Um, and we just want to elevate our overall capacity to be able to continue to producing um, these numbers of units. Well, clearly, uh, it's an issue, and uh, my goal for our conversation today uh, really is to make sure that the, the listeners, if they don't know much about it, got a, a broader perspective, and then to hear what each of your organizations are doing. Councilman, what you're trying to do to be part of a solution here, uh, certainly in Jacksonville, and really we're looking at the whole northeast uh, Florida area. but. Uh, Contessa Archer of Dominion and Cody Spencer of Ability House and Joe Carlucci, Jacksonville City Council, District 5, thanks. I appreciate it uh, because I know I needed to learn a lot more <laughs> than I already knew just by having the conversation today. So thank you for that. And for our listeners, our viewers, constantly working to bring you more interviews like this focused on economic growth in our region. So thanks for joining us for this week in Jacksonville Business Edition.